Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Hi, folks. You're here. Making Data Simple podcast. Al Martin speaking. Today, I have a returning guest, uh, Lynn Sneed. So, look, so let's jump right in. There's such a thing, by example, of being in a role, you can even be performing well in the role, but you can look through an assessment, you know, who you are or versus, I guess, who you're trying to be. That's probably not a good analogy, but, you know, and all, and you can see that they differ. So in other words, you've got to change your fundamental nature to uh, be in this position. And typically there's going to be conflict and stress. There's something you've got to do to get back to that natural state or else it's going to either cause stress or you're going to see bad results. Well, you're right on target because when we have high stress because somebody is needing to push themselves in a direction that is not in their natural skill set, it causes stress. We actually can see in the assessment very clearly When someone is working so hard to be something they're not by nature, we see a direct correlation between the high score of someone's, what we call the adapted style, you know, working hard to be something they're not. We see a correlation between that score and stress-related health disorders. Even in my case, everybody's aggressive. You, you want to keep it, you want to keep advancing. You want to uh, better yourself, et cetera. Uh, but like, I got a buddy of mine that we'll be talking about it and I'll say, yeah, I'm, I need that position right there, whatever it might be. And he'll go, hold on. Do you really want that position? Come on. Do you really want to give up all this other stuff for that position? And then it's like, yeah, well, maybe not. Right. But I mean, so I know all I'm saying is we get trapped right. into doing things that are in our natural state because what we feel like we're supposed to do or what others may regard as the right decision. You know what I'm saying? It can be a tough deal, but it doesn't have to always be a tough deal. If we know and understand ourselves better, and a lot of this is about self-understanding, that's where it starts. And that's not exciting for a lot of people, but the payoff for it's pretty big. If we understand ourselves, we can help ourselves channel our energy into the right direction where we're going to match our skills to our work, more fulfillment and more satisfaction. As a coach, one of my major goals is simply to help my people, my clients, get to the levels where they want to be, but while they're doing that, to make sure that they're experiencing more fulfillment. This isn't about you know, more work, harder work, bigger positions. This is about fulfillment, happiness, satisfaction, inner peace and well-being, less stress, not more stress. So it's finding our sweet spot and then excelling in the area of our sweet spot instead of trying to excel in something that crosses over to an area that's the opposite of our sweet spot. Does that make sense? So summarizing, it does make sense, but so let's go back to... Soft skills or professional skills and hard skills. Any advice that you have in terms of determining, you know, which ones you need to improve on, the balance that you need to have? And then as a part B, I'll just give you a heads up that then I want to talk about 
you know, how you would recommend setting goals since we're in the setting goals season and we're really close to 2021. But back to, you know, how, how do you determine soft skills? How do you measure soft skills? You're achieving success or you're, I mean, it's not hard skills. It's like you pass a certification, you get a degree, boom, you got it. Right. Soft skills and, are so soft because, not because they're easy. I think it's what people interpret soft skills. Oh, that's soft. No, no it's because not it's easy. Difficult. They're they're probably they're harder than the hard skills. Right. They <laughs> are. They many you times measure them as easy. Well, and that's where the importance of highly validated assessments come into play. Uh, there's a lot of assessments out there in the world, and quite frankly, there's a lot of them. They're just not highly validated. You know, look for something that's highly validated, and that's multi-dimensional, more holistic. For example, I never run DISC as a single assessment on anybody. I've used this metaphor with you before. I, it, it would be like somebody going to the doctor's office and the doctor putting a thermometer, well, I guess they don't put it under your tongue anymore. They stick it in your ear or aim it at your forehead, whatever, however they, they take your temperature these days. And that's all they do. And they say, you know, you're fine. You don't have a fever. You can go home, you know, no worries. As opposed to a good physical exam where, you know, you've got blood work, lab work, your cholesterol is okay. They listen to your heart. They listen to your lungs, your breathing. I mean, a really thorough exam. And our assessments are two, three, and four, and five sciences combined. So that, you know, DISC, DISC is one of my favorites because it's so universal in, in how it can be used and leaders can improve their leadership skills when they can read people's DISC styles. But it's only a portion of the assessment. We're looking at motivators. We're looking at skills. So, you know, one of the things to get more to the core of your question, realizing that we come into a job with these hard skills that got us there, you know, and think of these as, you know, the self-starting, personal accountability, uh, the planning and organizing, maybe project management skills, a certain amount of time and priority management. Those are skills that we usually bring with us. As we are promoted and we have people working for us, we need those same skills that we had when we got there. We don't let go of those. We add to them with leadership skills. And that's the interpersonal and the diplomacy, uh, the conflict management, influencing others, decision-making, continuous learning. Continuous learning is so critical because one of my other favorite questions with, with new clients, I'll say, you know, tell me about the leadership's books that you've read in the last year. And crickets, you know. <laughs> I, I'm amazed at the number of times that people – they haven't read a good leadership or any leadership book in the, in the last year. If you're going to get good at this stuff, you got to work on it. You got to study it. I'm an avid reader, have been for all of my professional years, a good majority of what I've learned, I've learned because of what I've read. So if you're not reading, if you're not studying, you're learning everything the hard way. I mean, one thing you can find consistent, at least I've found consistent is Star performers, star leaders, well-rounded individuals are well-read individuals, one way or I, another. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I start, you know, when I read, though, I read for a lot of different reasons. That's part of it. It's continuous learning. But the other thing is, is 
good to have analogies to be able to explain things when I'm doing pitches. I mean, there's so many different things, interesting things I, I get out of it. But, uh, and I don't know that I'm a natural reader. I mean, it's hard for me just to sit. <laughs> By the way, the good news is, is there's many ways to read these days, including well, audio books. I was, and I was just going to point that out. It's so important. I don't, I haven't read a book in a long time, in spite of the fact that I, so many years of my life, I was such an avid reader. If I can't find it in an audible format now or a podcast format, it ain't going to happen. But I, you know, as long as I can listen to it, I can keep devouring and keep learning. Let me ask you this, and then I'll, I'll try to wrap it up a bit. But outside of like, I know you're, you know, you drive assessments and they help to, you know, sometimes you got to do that introspection that you can do some self-reflection and, and figure out where your head's at. But aren't there some telltale signs? Like, by example, just stress is one. And I find that as I'm working with a team, when you ha- they have stress, you know, it's, they're working hard. And a lot of times they try to solve it by working harder. Yes. Uh, we don't always consider that, you know, maybe pause for a second, breathe. I'm acting on a, on a roll or that's not in my natural state. And look, I can better align it or I can find a new role. But there's things I can alter in that in the role itself to be able to become better in our natural state. I don't know that we often consider that. That's a very good point, Al. And I think that's one of the places where coaching or working with a partner, a a mentor, I think that's one of the places where that can be helpful because many times it takes somebody else's objective eyes to sort of look at what you're doing and ask you some questions. Uh, Sometimes it's, it's as simple as time and priority management. Many times people are just trying to get too many things in to a day and just learning to say no to some things. And that's a toughie for most of us, but many times we're just trying to cram too much, you know, 10 pounds of content into a five pound sack. The wise person once told me that no means just not right now. Uh huh. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> And I love that, you know, it, because saying no is hard. I, I read a book years ago. One of the things I remember it said is practice saying no until your tongue bleeds. And, you know, it, it's a tough thing for us to say. And I did. I find it easier to say not right now. You know, now's not the right. So time. How are you going to set your 2021 commitments yourself? Do you go through a goal setting exercise? I have gone through this exercise ever since I learned it from Hiram Smith when I first took Franklin's time management training, and I won't tell you what decade it was uh, <laughs> because it's been a long time. But I'll, but I'll tell you the key thing that I learned then before the goal setting made any difference to me. Everybody sets goals, you know, and most people don't do anything about it come New Year's. The key thing that shifted everything for me was learning the importance of having, and I don't care if you call it a personal mission statement or a purpose statement or a statement of intention. I like purpose. Mission was the word I I was first taught, but, and some people like that. That's fine. To me, it, it sounds a little bit more militaristic than what am I all about? Why am I here? Why do I exist? I went through an exercise and wrote down a a purpose statement for my life, a statement of intention many, many years ago. And every year I look 
firmly at that before I set any goals, because if I'm setting goals that don't meet my purpose in life, I'm off track and I can tell quickly I'm off track. The other thing that made a difference was writing down my personal governing values. That's another thing I learned. I went through the Franklin training before I became a Franklin employee and writing down my personal governing values was one of the most astonishing and eye-opening experiences of my life because at that time, uh, I was a younger single mom at the time. I wrote down this list, you know, this exercise in the class, and I, I have to admit, I looked at the list and I was very humbled because I realized that there was very little resemblance between my life and what was on this list. And I started writing goals that would bring my life into alignment with that list. And I set five-year goals for myself, and in two years, I had met those goals. And they were life-changing goals. You were able to do that because it was in concert with your mission statement. Mission statement and my values. And that combination became the drive for me and has been my drive ever since. It's been my drive throughout my entire life. It's helped me make decisions. It's helped me channel myself professionally, personally. It's given me a guidance system that I didn't have before then. And I, I it was hard to tell the difference that that would make in my life until I now have this many years to look back. Part of my mission statement, I love music, love music. And I recognize that uh, outside of listening to music now and then, I was like, I've kind of ditched every hobby and thing I've had around music. Uh, and so that's, you know, speaking of one of my goals for next year, uh, I already went and bought me a new electric guitar. A Fender electric guitar, Fender. I understand. Nice. <laughs> Which, wow, it's, it's good fantastic. for you. Good for and you. Loud. <laughs> and so it, that is a hobby. I'm, I've never had an electric. I've always had uh, acoustic. So um, I'm going to do something different and really push the envelope there. But, you know, that's a, that's an example of a mission statement, just highlighting something that was bothering me. And I said, look, I got to do this. I mean, this is I don't have kids sports right. to go to anymore. So uh, yeah. this, you, this is going to fill that void. If you think in terms of, I like to refer to it as line of sight between my mission, my values, my goals, and my projects. And of course, for me, you know, project management was my middle name for so many years that if I can get it to the stage of a project, you know, I'm on it. <laughs> so that's my line of sight. And that means I'm setting goals that are that are in line with what's important to me. You know, I've taken up woodworking lately since I've sort of semi-retired a little bit. I have time that I've never had before. And oh my goodness, I am just loving what I'm doing. And now I have to say, you know, I know I'm speaking to a different generation. There's things you get to do when you retire or semi-retire that you don't get to do yet when you are knee deep in building your career. But recognize the difference between your career development and your hobbies and make sure that not all of your energy is going to your hobbies if you're still in the stage of your life where career development really matters. 
because it takes time and study. I didn't have time for this kind of, you know, playing when I was when I was building my career. Well, then Kate and I have got to be a thorn in your side because I think we're single-handedly trying to take you out of retirement. <laughs> oh, and I'm loving every second of it. I, I get to do both. I get to do both. And I bless you both. You, you've both brought me new clients, and I, I am part-time. But I'm well within my part-time definition, and I'm my mission is to be helping people and to be able to share the gifts that my mentors passed along to me over the, the years that I was so blessed to work for that amazing organization. And, and it's a simple mission. I, I have a responsibility to share what they shared with me. And, uh, you know, I did retire for a few years. I went off in my RV full time for a few years and played. And I, I settled in Florida to get warm. And I said, great, now I'm ready to get back to work. So I sit in my wonderful home office and I get to work on Zoom and do what I used to have to get on an airplane to go do. This is just cool as can be. I've been doing <laughs> I've been working with Zoom long before people discovered it this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I get that. Well, look, I, um, you know, I, I always set goals at the end of the year. In fact, I call most of them commitments because for some reason in my mind, a commitment means I'm committed versus I a think goal. That's means a good I'm idea. I like that. I like that. Um, and, and you, you know, look right now, I, you know, I don't know where I'm going to go cause I, I'll do this at the end of this month. Mm -hmm. uh, usually I do that between, uh, Christmas and, and new years, Yes. but it's going to be an element of continuously learning, keeping up on some of the tech and stuff like that. Also financials, which may be boring to some, but also helps me with my investment investments. What's your um, next I'll, leadership <laughs> book that's on your list? Well, I was going to ask you, I've got so many. I mean, I, I always, <laughs> right, I'm reading like three right now when the ones I'm reading uh, right now, let's see, is I just got through with Subscribed, which was a good book. I'm reading Think Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman right now. There's a book, another book I'm, I'm reading. I may have, see, I'm, I'm doing too many at the same time. I get too excited. Uh, I'm, I'm reading Financial Intelligence which is looking behind the numbers that are reported that helps you with investments or, or managing a business. What else? There's another one, but those are the two that I'm, I'm on, but I got up. I've talked to you. You've given me several books. It's a, it's a list that's probably, you know, no kidding, like 40 books long. Uh, just there's well, not enough hours. That's in the where prioritizing becomes really important. Now we had posted a book list after one of the last calls. Is that still available to listeners? Yes. Kate's listening, so we can put it back out on the, the show notes. That's on my list, of course. Okay. I do have a question for you before we end. All and right. one of those books that we've read, and some of them like uh, Seven Habits, uh, I think everybody should read. Uh, I've read it twice. That was a recommendation you gave. I've already re read it, but I read it again because it was so good. It's a, like, it's a lifetime I, of study, that book. That's not a one-time read. And it has like you can get workbooks out there yes. that correspond to it. To your point, yes. So that that one is a a lifetime study. Anything that we didn't say about our theme today around professional work skills and hard skills? I care that when you get off of every phone call with me, and especially as you look back monthly, quarterly, and for many of my clients now annually. 
you're looking back and you're going, I see how this has helped me. And wow, I wouldn't have wanted to undertake this career venture without this kind of help. That's what I go for. That's fair. If, we could, <laughs> if we could clone you and, and Kate, if we could clone you, the people who go to work, it would be a happier world. <laughs> leaders, leaders who encourage, who do give feedback. Most leaders just don't give feedback, let alone good feedback, encouraging feedback. And that matters. Most leaders, you know, if they, if they say anything, it's a corrective, but encouragement, morale, these things matter. All right, Lynn, I'm going to wrap up. This has been fantastic, but I'm going to do one quick thing before we do. This is, we might've played this game before, but we got some new pieces of it. It's, would you rather, you got to pick one side or the other. Oh boy. <laughs> and it's not going to be easy. We already talked about this. It wasn't this. easy last time. <laughs> but oh, we got some better ones. We got, we got some better ones. But so okay. you got to pick one side. I just, I just want to get your thoughts on this. This should be good. All right, you're ready. I hope. <laughs> Come Last on, time, you're you really caught me. Confident. <laughs> All right. Mountains or beach? Oh, gosh. Oh, see, you did it to me again. And well, we're, not to, even, we're just starting. <laughs> I have to say the first part of my life, the mountains and the lakes and the kayaks, that was, that's in the RV and camping. That's what I live for. But hey, at this point in my life, I'm in Florida. Give me beach. All right. Rock climbing or kayaking? Kayaking. It's one of my major okay, passions in life. All right. I, I figured that was, I would have guessed that. Camping or woodworking? Oh, again, earlier in life, camping. Absolutely camping. I spent most of my life, you know, outdoors and camping and loved it. At this point in my life, though, that doesn't fit as well, and woodworking does. I do that in my carport all year round, 365 days a year almost in Florida, I can do that. And so here, right. here woodworking is just awesome. All right. Uh, a kid in Hawaii, or would you rather the kid be in Oregon? Oh, he is so happy in Hawaii, Al. And complicate the visits but hey we're not getting on airplanes visiting anyway these days so he is happy in hawaii he's happier than i've ever seen him in hawaii all right you gotta you gotta pick one or the other would you pick project manager or coach coach all and right. especially because i get all to right. coach a lot on project management so see that's a that's a win-win for me Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so that is a, I think that might be a no answer almost, but then we'll let that go. That was a pretty good comeback. You, you often preach, as did Covey, win-win or no deal. But if you're forced and it's win-lose or lose-lose, what are you going to choose? If I'm forced? Oh, yeah, and it's Because you know how environments can be. And it's win, win, win or no I don't, I don't think you're going to win this one, Al. I, know. <laughs> I think this is going to be an Al lose, win, win on this I one. I, I was going to see what I could, what, how, how long she'd go with it. I knew she probably would answer this one. you got to uh, admit that's a good question. I thought that, it was a good question. That, that's a, that's a t I am a, an absolute believer in win, win or no deal. And, you know, when I read. Or you walk. 
when I read Seven <laughs> Habits, again, it was before I went to work for the company, which it was, it was, it became Franklin Covey many years after I became an employee. It wasn't until I had the honor of working with Stephen Senior directly that I, I kept hearing him say, win, win or no deal. And that, that corner drove that algorithm to a higher level for me. Uh, it's something to strive for, but there's also something I read many years ago in a, in a book called Strategy of the Dolphins that I love that said, I don't need anybody to lose unless they insist upon it. <laughs> they, but they often do. And anyway, they often uh, do. So if they insist <laughs> upon it, I will allow them to do it. Okay. Okay. Um, culture or strategy? Culture. Mm, Culture okay. can kill like strategy in a heartbeat. All right. The hardest question of the podcast, Pat, of the podcast, because we've been talking about it, hard skill or soft skill? Professional work skills. Ah, like, all right. You're going <laughs> with professional work skills, which is soft skills in a much better term. Um, better oh, term. I do have one more question for you. You asked me about the books I'm reading. I'm always reading some books, but I don't think I asked you this last time. Maybe I did, but I'm going to ask you it again. If there's one book, I only got one more book that I can read. Al has one book he can read and it's over. What book would that be? Oh, are, are you striving and, and going into a leadership position? I'm just or, trying to be a better person, no matter what. Or, or what, you want to you want to be a better person? Um, well, I mean, I want to be you know everything. That's the problem. Yeah. Is one book? Okay, I got it. I got it. It's conversational intelligence by Judith Glazer. All right. Well, now you know the next one that will be on my list. Plus okay. one okay. to that book. Plus one right there. Yeah. Plus one from Kate. Now I've got to do it. <laughs> yep. All right. Yep. Kate, uh, Kate has been a fan of, of this one. And by the way, you can find some excellent video of Judith. It's Judith E. Glazer. If you go to YouTube and search by her name, uh, unfortunately, Judith passed away just a, maybe a year and a half ago, which is just a great loss to the coaching community, the, the leadership community. But her work lives on. Her organization lives on, but there's great video uh, from her. It's it's worth some time. And and another one that I'd recommend via YouTube um, is Marshall Goldsmith. He's another of my favorites. Uh, Marshall Goldsmith and Daniel Goldman. All for free. All right. Bless you too. I, that, that's fan, I, it's on my list. Not only is it on my list, I'm going to go ahead and download it, get it ready to go so that um, I can knock it off that list. Awesome. Lynn, you're fantastic to talk to. Too good because then I, I take all day. I could I could keep talking for hours. This, well, this, we, is, this is like free coaching. It, it, it's, <laughs> we're, we're, it's our styles. When you look at our styles, and this is true, I think, Kate, of all, all three, our styles are a good match. We complement each other. We enjoy working together. This is the easy stuff. It's when we're working with our opposites that we have to, to work at it a little harder. This, this is just easy and fun. 
<laughs> I agree. Totally fun. Thank you for being here, Lynn. You've been great as always. My pleasure, Kate. As Thank always, you. thank you for organizing and pulling us together and, and, and crafting this. And it's a pleasure working with both of you. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks always to Kate and to Steve. You're doing the, uh, the hard work behind the scenes. And thanks to our listeners. And as always, you can reach out to almartintalksdata at gmail.com. Uh, we will uh, read those comments, questions, suggestions, and act accordingly. Thanks. Be safe. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcast to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, Let's go over and out. Oh.